We're in John 14, verse 15 this morning. John 14, verse 15. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the promises of your word. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we ask that we would understand in a greater way the work of the helper in our lives, that you would bring encouragement, that you would bless us with your peace, help us to see you and glorify you. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I grew up going to church all the time. Church was a really important part of our lives. My parents were the first ones that got saved on both sides of their family. So every time the doors of the church were open, uh, we were there. Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, Sunday night. I was probably six or seven years old on this particular Sunday, and it was a whole morning ordeal. Like, you'd get there for Sunday school hour, and then you'd go to children's church, and then after children's church, it was into adult service. So it was like three services all in one on a, on a Sunday morning. So I get through all of this, and I'm standing in the foyer of our church. I've got my hands in my pockets. I'm like six or seven years old. And all of a sudden, the scales just came off my eyes, and I realized that my family had left me, that somehow they had forgotten me at at church. And of course, all these tears start to come in my eyes, and and here comes this older guy from church that I knew, and he put his hand on his shoulder. He's like, I'm sure your parents will come back. (laughs) And I'm like, I I sure hope so, right? I I sure hope that someone comes back uh, for me. And it was probably five minutes, and it felt like an eternity. And then here comes, you know, my mom or my dad. I don't remember which one it was. And we had driven in separate cars because of the commitments to church uh, that morning. And so mom thought I was dead with dad, and dad thought I was mom. And there I was, abandoned at, at church, right? So that's my big uh, story of abandonment. And that's why I have so many issues in my life today. <laughs> Today we're going to look at, in our Bible study, how Jesus is assuring the disciples that he's not abandoning them. He's not leaving them. He's, he's just told them that he is, is going to leave, and where he's going they can't come. But now he's reassuring them that even though he is leaving, he's going to give another helper to them. The Holy Spirit who is going to be with them and walk with them. So verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Jesus instructs and says, if you love me, then you will keep my commandments. Jesus is going to get into that in much more detail in just a moment, so we'll look at that more. In verse 16, and I will pray the Father, and he'll give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. So he assures the disciples, you're not abandoned because I'm giving you a helper. And that's point number one this morning, is that we have received the help of the Holy Spirit. And Christ says, I'm going to go to the Father, I'm going to pray to the Father, and the Father's the one who is going to send another helper. So similar to Christ, in the same vein of Christ, but another, another helper. So when we think of God, we know that the scripture teaches that there's three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but yet they're one God, that the triune God, three distinct persons, but yet one God. So the Holy Spirit is going to come into the lives of the disciples in a different way. The Holy Spirit is with them, but will be in them to provide help. 
And this help really transforms and changes the disciples' lives. When we look at the disciples and who they are before they receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, there's absolute transformation that takes place in their lives. Not perfection, but transformation that takes place through the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 17 tells us one of the ways that the Holy Spirit helps us. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So the spirit of truth, part of the help of the Holy Spirit is to lead us into truth, to teach us. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate teacher. As we get into the word of God, it's the spirit of God that teaches us. One of the biggest lies that I think we tend to believe is, I can't understand the Bible. Have you ever felt that way? Like, I need someone to teach me the Bible. I can't read God's word on my own and get things out of it. And it keeps us from spending time in the word of God. But the moment that you received Christ as your Savior, the Spirit of God came inside of you. And you have the best teacher living inside of you. So there's value in listening to a sermon. There's value in reading a commentary or listening to a podcast. But ultimately, you don't have to be dependent upon that. Hopefully, one of the things that you're learning here at Rocky Mountain Calvary is we go through books of the Bible where you go, hey, this isn't rocket science. It seems like Eric opens the scriptures and explains the scriptures. I I think I could read the Gospel of John and get things out of it. And so read books of the Bible. Sit down and and say, okay, I want to read the Gospel of Mark. I want to read the Proverbs. I want to read the Psalms. And ask that the Holy Spirit would teach you before you begin. And and the Spirit of truth is going to come and begin to illuminate the scriptures with you. And there's this promise of the Helper being with us. He says, for he dwells with you. He's with you right now, but he is going to be in you. And when Christ died and he rose again and he meets with the disciples, he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Christ ascended to the Father and says, I want you to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the Spirit of God comes upon them and they begin to experience the help of the Holy Spirit in their lives. The Spirit leading them into truth. Zechariah 4, 6 says, it's not by power or by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So what does this look like on a practical level to really experience the help of the Holy Spirit in our lives? We're told that the Spirit of God leads us. The Bible describes it as walking in the Spirit. What does it mean to, to walk in the Spirit? It means that we're in step with the Spirit of God where God's spirit is going to begin to convict us. I'm sure you've experienced this, whether you realize it or not. There's times where maybe we treat someone in a way that doesn't honor and glorify God, and in our flesh, we're actually defending our actions. We, we feel that we're right in the way that we treated them. But then the spirit of God begins to work in our hearts and convict us and challenge us to say, you need to go apologize to that person. Where did that come from? That's the Spirit of God inside of us saying, no, you need to go humble yourself and say, I'm sorry for the way that I've treated you. And our response is like, no, that's not the Lord, that's the devil, right? I don't need to apologize to anybody. But then you begin to wrestle with it more and wrestle with it more and say, man, I 
I just know that I'm not right with God until I go and apologize. And many times it's with a member of our family, isn't it? You know, we've lost our temper or been rude to a member in our family. And we have to go back and we have to humble themselves. And that's the help of the Holy Spirit to humble us and to convict us. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness. And as we're, we're walking in the Spirit of God, the Spirit is going to lead us on how he wants us to reach out uh, to people. How come you're going through your life and going through your day and then all of a sudden there's a believer on your heart or your mind? You're, you're thinking about a friend. Maybe it's a friend you haven't talked to in a while and you're thinking, man, I need to text them and see how they're doing or I need to pray for them. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the, Holy, that's the helper coming into your life and saying, look, I am leading you and guiding you. There's particular times where we just feel led by the Lord that I gotta reach out to this neighbor. I gotta reach out to, to this, this coworker. That's the help. That's the leading of the Holy Spirit. And that's when the Christian life gets really exciting. When we look at the book of Acts, the book of Acts is about believers who are surrendered to Jesus that are willing to walk in the leading of the Holy Spirit, are willing to walk in the help of of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of different sin struggles that we have in our lives, anger and lust and covetousness and jealousy, and we desperately try to get over these areas of sin, and many times we're trying to do it apart from the helper, apart from the Holy Spirit. We're going through the book of Joshua as a staff on Wednesday mornings and and staff devotions. And we were just in the section this week where the nation of Israel fails and Joshua fails. And I love it because we fail as well. What happened is they get to Ai right after Jericho and they think they've got it. It's a small city Joshua doesn't pray, doesn't seek God's counsel, sends in just 3,000 warriors, and they get defeated, and 36 men lose their lives, and Joshua is devastated. He's frustrated. He rips his clothes, he gets on his face, and then God speaks to Joshua and says, get up. Paraphrase, suck it up, Joshua, right? Why has this happened? Because a man named Achan took of the spoils of Jericho, and God said, these were to belong to the Lord. That first battle was to be first fruits unto the Lord. So Joshua deals with the sin, and then God begins to speak to Joshua on a path forward, a path of restoration, to bring victory where there was defeat. And that's the heart of God. God wants to begin to to speak, that the helper, the Holy Spirit wants to lead us and guide us and show us how we can overcome anger in our lives, how we can overcome covetousness in our lives. But the nature of this title helper means that we have to be willing to receive help. Ouch, right? It's hard to admit even to God, I can't overcome this on my own. I need your help. I need your intervention. I need your work in my life. As we look at this word helper in the Greek, 
It means the one who comes alongside to help. It's parakletus in the Greek is is the Greek word. So the Holy Spirit's coming alongside to help, coming alongside to show us a way forward to lead us and guide us in, in truth. I recently read a book called Unshakable Hope by Max uh, Lucado. It was a neat book, 40 Years of Ministry, and he writes uh, this book uh, looking at his favorite promises of, of God. And he gives this story from his life where a friend of his convinced him to do this bicycle race there in Texas. It's a fairly famous race in their community and very difficult, and it's known for the end of the race, there's this big climb, there's this big ascent Max Lucado was feeling like he was in pretty good shape, but knew that this would be difficult, but went ahead and signed up because his friend asked him. So sure enough, here he is in the Texas heat, and his friend just takes off and leaves him in the dust. And he gets to the end, he gets to this long ascent, and he's just dying. And in his mind, he's starting to resent his friend. You ever been there? Like, man, why does this guy abandon me? Why did he get me to sign up for this? And lo and behold, his friend had finished the race and then come back to find Max, got off of his bike, two hands, starts running and pushing him up the hill. And Max Lucado finished the race. And he said he would have never been able to finish the race if it wasn't for the help of his friend. And then, of course, in Max Lucado's style, goes on to say, this is how this illustrates the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The one that comes alongside to help the one that's leading and guiding and providing the power. We're not abandoned because we've received the help of the Holy Spirit who dwells with you and now is in you. We go on to verse 18. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So the idea is Jesus is saying, I have cared for you. I'm not going to leave you without care. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm entrusting you to the care of the helper. I'm entrusting you to the care of the Holy Spirit. In verse 19, a little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. Jesus is speaking of his crucifixion. He's moments before his trial and his crucifixion. He says, the world's not gonna see me any longer, but you will see me. You're gonna experience my resurrection. Because I live, you will live also. And that you will know that I'm in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And this is the second reason the disciples are not abandoned, we're not abandoned. It's God's internal dwelling. Jesus says, I will be in you. In fact, from Christ's perspective, he tells the disciples that it's to their benefit that he's going to go away. How mind-blowing is that? They're thinking, Jesus, you're right here with me. I would want to continue in this state. It doesn't get any better than for Jesus to be right here with me in his physical presence. I think many of us that said, if I either had a choice for Christ to be in me or Christ to physically be with me, maybe I would pick Christ physically being with me. But it's better for God to dwell in us. So here he is with the disciples, but it's even a deeper relationship with the disciples for Christ to be in the disciples. And this is the amazing mystery of the gospel, the amazing mystery of the good news of Christ, as where Jesus died for us, he rose again, we trust him for salvation, 
And the moment that we receive Christ as our Savior, we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Christ lives inside of us, and he never abandons us. And this is the deepest relationship that we know. God knows you better than you know yourself. He lives inside of you. God knows you better than your spouse. He knows you better than your kids, your parents, your best friend. He knows you because he lives inside of you. It's a much deeper, more meaningful, impactful relationship that God would dwell inside of us. The creator of the universe who spoke all things into existence lives inside of you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Amazing. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives inside of you. This teaching was so deep to the Apostle Paul when he wrote to the church of Corinth. He says, don't you know when you join yourself to a harlot that you're joining Christ to the harlot because you've been brought, bought with a price. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus doesn't abandon a believer when they enter into sexual sin. The believer joins Christ to that sexual sin. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit, God dwelling inside of us. In the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, it's an external relationship with God based on rules. God does not live inside of the nation of Israel. But the new covenant of God's grace that God prophesied would be one where he doesn't write upon tablets, laws, stone tablets, but writes upon our hearts. That's so cool, isn't it? We're not abandoned because Christ lives inside of us. He hasn't left us as orphans. Verse 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. We're not abandoned because we're in a loving relationship. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. How do we know if we love the Lord? By obedience to his commandments. What are Christ's commandments? What has he commanded us to do? Jesus made it simple and he summed it up into one great commandment. Love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. God says, love me and love your neighbor. And as we live that out, as we walk in that commandment, we're walking inside of this loving relationship that God has, has given to us. This isn't rules that are based out of the law, but they're rules that are based out of a loving relationship. For those of you that are married or that hope to be married, are there some commandments that you live by? I would say yes, right? You say, man, I'm committed to my spouse, my sexual integrity. I've committed to not be unfaithful and commit adultery to my spouse. Now, why why have you done that? Is it because it's a rule? Like, yeah, that's what married couples are supposed to do. No, it's because you love your spouse. Like, no, I love my spouse. I want to be faithful to my spouse. I'm, I'm so thankful for Amber. I married up. There's no doubt about it, you know? I was reflecting this week of what a blessing she is in my life. And, and every day she lifts me up. Every day she, she builds me up. 
and encourages me. And it, it's wonderful to see her smile and her love for the Lord and her commitment to our family and see God use her in, in other people's life. And I want to be faithful to her. It's, it's not a have to, it's, it's a want to. And thankfully, by God's grace, he, he's put that inside of Amber and I's relationship. There's, there's commandments that we keep. Why? Because we love each other. And it's the same way in our relationship with the Lord as he saved us by grace. He's forgiven us of our sins. He's promised us eternal life. And as we're in this amazing, loving relationship with our Heavenly Father, we say, God, I want to keep your commandments. I want to walk in love to you and to others. Notice the motivation that Jesus gives us for obedience. He says, if you're walking in my commands, then he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will manifest him to you. Sometimes our disobedience hinders our fellowship with God. I think we've experienced this in parent-child relationships, either as the child or, or the parent. That when there's obedience, there's no hindrance for a parent to be able to love on a child. But sometimes when there's disobedience there, it hinders the fellowship. It doesn't diminish the love, but it hinders the fellowship. So why do you want to keep God's commands? Because you don't want anything to hinder your fellowship with the Father. When we're walking in obedience, then it's an open door for the Father to just love on us. And Jesus then comes in that place of obedience, and he manifests the Father to us. Our disobedience keeps us from having the revelation of the Father. You may want to pray about this, write this down, try to remember it, but obedience does affect your revelation of who God is. This morning, we're all going through the Word, but some of you will get more out of it than others. Why? Because it depends on your obedience. It depends if you're choosing to walk in God's commands. If we're in disobedience to God's commands, it's going to hinder our ability to have that revelation of God. So this is an amazing motivation for obedience. is to say, man, I want God to be able to love on me. I want to understand him in a greater way. A lot of times we make it about the sin struggle, don't we? I got to get over my anger. I got to get over my lust. I got to get over my covetousness. And very rarely do we make it about, man, I want to know the Father. And please remember the context of this, because this comes right after the promise of the Helper. This is the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, leading and guiding us to where we can walk in love. We can walk in the commandments that God has given to us. Verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world. So we get the disclaimer, this is another Judas. This is not Judas Iscariot, and he has this question of saying, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So Christ's answer to this question is, man, I will manifest myself to those who love me to those who, who keep my word, then my Father and I will come and make our home with him. You know, it's wonderful to feel at home in somebody else's home, isn't it? When they just 
open up their home and take the time to invite you over, maybe cook some food, have some coffee. Sometimes in life, they're, they're such a close friend that you can just go over under normal circumstances, right? The house doesn't have to be clean. Your house doesn't have to be clean. They, they can just come over and, and feel, feel comfortable. You know, I can show up at a friend's house and look like Dennis the Menace with my hair, hair sticking up. It doesn't matter, right? And here, God could be at home in our lives. What makes God at home in, in our lives? It's as we choose to walk in his word where he comes into our lives and says, oh, I just feel at home here. I feel comfortable here. That, that's a beautiful and powerful thing that Christ would be at home with us. In verse 24, he who does not love me does not keep my words. And the words which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So Jesus boils this down and says, if, if you're not keeping my words, if you're, if you're not walking in love, then you're not loving me. And it is the Father's words that Jesus is speaking. These things I've spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Christ comes back to this theme of the helper. That the helper is going to teach you all things. It would be the Holy Spirit that would now take the primary role in teaching and instructing the disciples. And bring things to the remembrance of the disciples. How are the disciples able to remember the life of Christ in such detail? It was the Holy Spirit who was, was helping them. So here's this promise that God gives us once again of the Lord teaching us through the scriptures. As God teaches us through the scriptures, he'll also teach us through the situations in life. The Holy Spirit's looking to, to instruct us in the circumstances that we're going through. On Thursday evening, I had a little bit of extra time, so I decided I would work a little bit on my old truck that I've been trying to, to, to fix up. And there's some lens caps over the blinker lights on the front grill that I ordered and, and replaced a few weeks ago, and I, I just couldn't get them quite flush. You know, it's just this old truck and it's this new plastic and you're ordering it offline and it, it fits, but it needs to it needs to be tighter. And I knew that, so I had some extra time and I'm just I'm gently tightening, you know, and I I did that and it was it was looking better than it had. And I knew deep down I I need to stop tightening. Right? <laughs> so I did. I stopped tightening and I got the other things that I wanted to get done, checked the oil and looked at this and that. You know, Wyatt had gone in the house, and we were, we were done, and I thought, I, I just want to tighten it a little bit more, because I want it to, to be perfect. So sure enough, I tightened, and pop, and I'm like, oh, you know, I was frustrated. And then I just felt the Holy Spirit speak to me about a situation that I was trying to make a decision on, is, Eric, you're trying to tighten the screws to that person, and you need to stop. You're going to bust this wide open if you don't stop. And I was like, okay, God, I get it. You, you just spoke to me through this old truck, and I'm thankful for this time in the garage that, that I've had, and, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back off this situation. But aren't there those times in our lives where we're like, man, 
I, I got to see this through. I got to get the last word. I got I to fix this. And the Lord's saying, hey, back off. And God wants to do that. He wants to do that. He's in control of the circumstances that we're going through in our lives. And if we'll stop and listen, the Holy Spirit will begin to teach us in the word and teach us through the situations that we're going through. The Holy Spirit will bring things to our remembrance. That's why it's so good to spend time in the word of God because then the Holy Spirit will bring that back exactly when we need it. Many times it's not chapter and verse, but all of a sudden we're remembering something about God. We're remembering one of his promises. We're remembering something that someone has spoken to our lives. There's a phrase that was instilled in me long ago that says time is on the side of integrity. And there's different times where the Holy Spirit will just bring that back to mind. Time's on the side of integrity. You'll never regret walking in integrity. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Christ promises peace. In verse 1 of this chapter, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled because I've prepared a place for you. Jesus comes back to this and says, guys, even though you're getting this seemingly bad news that I'm departing, You don't have to have a troubled heart because I desire to give you peace. So the fourth reason we're not abandoned is because we've been given the peace of Christ. This is a gift of God. God is giving this to the disciples. And notice, Jesus says, it's my peace that I am giving to you. Jesus did not live his life with an anxious, worried heart. He did not go through his 33 years here on this planet in in a place of worry. He was in a place of peace. It doesn't mean that his life was easy. His life was difficult. But he had peace about it because of his relationship with the Father. Because he knew where he came from. He knew where he was going. In John 13, verse 3, it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he'd come from God and was going to God. He knew his relationship with the Father. He knew where he'd come from. He knew he was going to be with the Father. And Jesus says, you have that same peace. Jesus has brought us into secure relationship with the Father. We know our position with the Father. We know where we've come from. He's created us. We know where we're going. We have eternal life. And God speaks to us and says, look, I want you to be in a place of peace. God wants to give you his peace this morning. Where you're saying, well, how? How do I enter into and enjoy the peace of God? Write down Philippians chapter 4 and spend some time with it this week. Because God gives us a pathway of experiences peace. And the first is he says that we're to be thankful. That we're to give thanks even in the midst of difficulty and situations that we don't understand, we're not going to experience the peace of God without thankfulness. Be thankful for who he is. Be thankful for what he's doing, the simple things, the depths of his character. God thinks that you're gracious. Thank you for heaven. Thank you for providing these things in my life. Be thankful. And then the second is a little more difficult. (laughs) Don't worry. Stop worrying. Philippians 4 says, To be anxious for nothing. That's all inclusive. God doesn't give us an allowance for worrying. Worrying will wear you out. 
Worrying will provide a troubled heart. Worrying will not produce any kind of outcome. Stop worrying. What does worrying look like? When we analyze a problem in every direction, we go around it, we go up and down, we go through it, we go sideways, we're trying to figure it out. We're trying to solve the puzzle. God says, stop worrying. But then he invites us to let our requests be made known to God to pray. Be thankful, stop worrying, and pray. You have an appointment with God. You have an audience of one where God is inviting you to take that problem, take that difficulty. It's not that the difficulty is not real. It's what we do with it. We take it out of our hands and we put it in God's hands through prayer. We let our requests be made known to God. Then the promise of God is he'll give us a peace that surpasses understanding that will guard our hearts and minds. It's not a peace that comes from understanding. It'd be nice if God said, hey, thanks for praying. This is exactly how this is going to work out. He very rarely does that. He says, thanks for praying. I got it. Thanks for praying. Now trust me. And as we trust the Lord, then we're able to say, I don't understand this. I don't have this figured out, but I have the peace of God in my life. And that peace of God is a tremendous comfort to me. God wants to give us that gift of his peace. In verse 28, you have heard me say to you, I'm going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said I'm going to my father, for my father is greater than I. Guys, this is good. If you knew how good it was going to be for me with a father, you'd be excited for me. The same is true for us with loved ones. I think loved ones would come to us and say, hey, if you knew how good it was in heaven with our father, you'd be happy for me. You would be rejoicing. In verse 29, and now I've told you before it comes that when it it comes to pass, you may believe. I'll no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. But the world may know that I love the father and the father gave me commandment. So I do arise, let us go from here. Jesus says, I'm telling you beforehand so it'll build build your faith. And I hope you're built up by seeing that Christ foretold these events of his death and resurrection. As we look at prophecy, it builds our faith in Christ. Jesus leaves us with his motivation. He says, I'm doing this so the world would know that I love the Father. First and foremost, the reason that Jesus died on the cross is because he loved the Father. And the father had given him a command and he's saying yes to the father. And then Jesus says to the disciples, arise, let us go from here. Christ wanted the disciples to know that they're not abandoned. Do you feel abandoned in in your life, specifically by God? And God has promised that he will never leave us, that he will never forsake us. And the spirit is your helper. The spirit of God is the evidence from God that you're not abandoned by the Lord, that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're not abandoned because we're in a loving relationship, this unconditional love that God has given to us, and so seek to keep his commands. When was the last time that you were really motivated about obedience to God? (laughs) A lot of times, obedience to God feels pretty heavy-handed, doesn't it? Or like, oh, I guess I've got to obey. But there's so much wonderful motivation here to say, I want to obey God because I want the Father to love on me. I want to be able to 
have Jesus manifest the Father to me. Be encouraged, you're not abandoned. God dwells inside of you. He gets you. He understands you. He lives inside of you. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we're not abandoned because Jesus has given you his peace. Do you believe that Jesus' peace is deeper, wider, greater than the situation that you're going through? That he could grant to you your, his peace. I would encourage you to press into Philippians 4 and say, Lord, I desire to walk in your peace. I desire to experience your peace this morning. So let's stand together and let's pray this in. Jesus, we thank you that you're committed to loving us, that you haven't abandoned us, that you've given us the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are our helper. Help us to understand what it is to walk with you, to experience your help. May you convict us and guide us and direct us and may we experience the fullness of of life in the Spirit. We thank you, Jesus, that you live inside of us, amazing, that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that we're in a loving, unconditional relationship with you and would you help us to walk in obedience, to experience the, the blessing that comes with obedience by your grace. And we ask in Jesus' name that we could experience and live in your peace this morning. Let's do what we've talked about right now. Let's take a moment to be thankful. What are you thankful for about God? Just just tell him right now in your heart. What are some practical things that God has provided that you're thankful for? And choose to stop worrying. What is it that you're worrying about today? Just choose to take your hands off of it. Choose to stop trying to figure it out. And now give that request to the Lord. Just just pour out your heart to him. Cry out before him. You weren't designed to carry that burden. Cast that burden upon him because he cares for you. And receive his peace. We thank you, Father, that you got it. You've got it. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.